The following pre-recorded program is brought to you by Wrestling with the Inner Man. Welcome to Wrestling with the Inner Man, because the first fight we face each and every day is a fight with our flesh. Do we listen to our selfish, sinful nature or to divine nature guided by the Holy Spirit? Your host, David Savage, is a product of the West Texas Desert and Energy Industry, who recently received the biggest promotion of his life, reporting directly to the top boss, God. We hope you're ready to rumble, because wrestling with the inner man begins now. Good evening, WWM listeners. We're coming off of Valentine's Day earlier this week, the day most dedicated to love across our nation each year, but... Holidays which celebrate love can make those who are experiencing a love deficit feel more afflicted. Adults who experienced abuse as children or who were put up for adoption often have lingering doubts about themselves and their worthiness to be loved. It's a tender topic for tender hearts. But my guest today has a fantastic story of transformation and successful ministry through his organization called Faithful Fathering. He also has his own podcast under that same name and recently recorded a three-part series called in Search of a Father, which I highly recommend you check out because we can't get into the same level of depth here with the time that we have. So my brother in Christ, Rick Wirtz, welcome to Wrestling with the Inner Man. Thanks for having me, David. Blessing to be here with you. So Rick, why don't you uh, offer a little background on your own upbringing and how you came to lead the Faithful Fathering Sure, Sure, well, why, why I'm in fathering ministry, it's, mm-hmm. usually there is a deficit, as you referenced, but uh, you know, my background is I grew up in a violent alcoholic home. You know, Ma, Ma always said Dad came back from the war, World War II, different, I kind of dated myself right there, didn't I? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, came back from World War II, a different man than she married. And, uh, you know, today we call it PTSD. Uh, back then, they just didn't know what it was. He self-medicated with alcohol, and uh, it was a violent alky. And uh, our home was kind of a battlefield as well. You know, we didn't know when an explosion was going off. and mm-hmm. could be on a rampage or, uh, you know, abuse or whatever. And uh, But he didn't always have to be drunk to be on a rampage. It just uh, was in his—he was just trying to deal with some of the things he dealt with as a, as a Hellcat pilot in the South Pacific. Uh, you know, our home, our, my, uh, my mother was a devout Catholic, our home, she made sure we got to mass and she did the best she could do to provide for the family. Dad did not provide, you know, physically, emotionally, or uh, financially or spiritually in any way. Uh, I had three elder sisters. They all left home early, married young to get out of the home situation. And I had my last run in with, uh, dad at, uh, at 13 and left. Uh, my eldest sister at that time was generous enough to open up her home to provide a safer living environment. Uh, and, uh, and her husband was a father figure in my life as I, as I matured. I left home with uh, really two prayers. One would be that I would be blessed with a happy and healthful uh, marriage and family I didn't know growing up. And the other was that uh, uh, I'd live somewhere above the poverty line that we'd grown up well below. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I was blessed through some athleticism to have an opportunity to go to uh, go to college. First one in my family to graduate from college, actually. But uh, uh, I went down to uh, southern Kansas to a junior college where I met my bride-to-be. And, uh, and uh, as we wrapped up that junior college time, we knew we were right for each other. But I had told her at that juncture, all three of my sisters had divorced. Mm. And... Uh, uh, and and uh, one twice, and then my mother's divorce. I said there are already five divorces in my family. I didn't want to be the sixth, so she went off to Oklahoma State to wrap up her degree, and the University of Kansas picked me up where I went and wrapped up my degree. I got a mechanical engineering degree out of the University of Kansas, 
And uh, I told her, I said, you have two years to find somebody to take better care of you than I could. I didn't say better looking. <laughs> I just said, uh, uh, thank goodness this is radio. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But the, uh, uh, she, uh, she really, she told her mother that, and her mother said, he said, what? <laughs> you know. <laughs> and uh, But I, I was serious that uh, if, if we're going to make the commitment, I, I meant the commitment fully. Uh, and uh, I, I took a very, uh, never meant any, meant any words uh, more uh, uh, Sincerely, and, and sincerely, uh, and, and, and you know, just intentionally to uh, say I do uh, until death do we part. So, uh, uh, so we did uh, when we both graduated in May of 1980. Uh, I took a job with the oil field services company where I uh, went to work throwing iron uh, in the oil field and uh, just always trying to prove myself a man that I always wanted to hear from dad. You know, we all strive for that affirmation from right. our father, which I never did get. Uh, and but I was trying to get it in my performance, and uh, so I went to work, and she went to planning the wedding. We got married in the fall of 1980, and and we proceeded to move nine times in the first 15 years of marriage. And uh, uh, we, I said, you know, our paychecks in Wichita Falls, our paychecks in Pampa. She said, Tampa. I said, No, Pampa. It's <laughs> yeah. a lovely town up in the <laughs> Panhandle of yeah. Texas, and uh, we were Midland. Our first foreign assignment was New Orleans, and then we went over to. Uh, uh, overseas for a couple of stops. Uh, by the way, our daughter came into the world in 1986, our son in 1988, but I was busy and traveling about 75-80% of the time. Uh, I came back from a uh, an extended trip about two weeks away and on a mid-morning on a Saturday, and walking through the house, I, I asked my uh, bride who, who that, I was going back to, to the office to wrap up paperwork from the trip because I had to get ready for meetings Monday morning. I asked my bride who that was out there playing with our daughter. And she said, that's your son. You're traveling too much. Mm. And just a good Kansas farm girl. She didn't say it judgmentally or even condescendingly. She just said it as a matter of fact. Uh, but as a Catholic kid, you know, I knew who God was. I knew who Jesus was. But that morning, the, uh, the Holy Spirit introduced himself to me and said, son, I've answered your prayers. And you're taking these blessings for granted. Uh, furthermore, I'm losing a generation because of dads like you. And that was my wake-up call, David, that uh, I just realized I had to do something different. Uh, we, we did leave the corporate world in 95. I had three goals. One was that I would find uh, a church that I could get engaged in. Uh, I wanted to find some men that would hold me accountable in my walk with Christ, and I sure needed to learn something about this role as a dad because as I tried to disassociate myself with my dad, go the opposite direction of the dad that raised me, uh, I wasn't doing real well on the fathering front, and uh, the Lord uh, honored that. He provided a, a good church. Uh, he introduced me to Dr. Ken Canfield, who founded the National Center for Fathering, and I just I tried to uh, be like a sponge around him and his organization and uh, just went through every bit of training, did every bit of reading, uh, tried to hang out with him as much as I could, and uh, I was hoping that I would, be, I, I would start up a chapter of the National Center in Texas, but... Uh, uh, but their board decided no, they wanted to stay a center, and but they were their operations manager uh, was just very kind. Peter Spokes uh, was very kind to give me some paperwork, help me understand what I needed to do to set up a 501c3, and we established faithful fathering uh, in May of 2000. Wow, twenty three <clears throat> years almost. Now. So we and he brought men into my life to come to establish that board, and uh, we've been on the journey ever since. And uh, and and it it's been a blessing. Uh, the other thing, my my pastor, uh, in parallel to all this, I had a pastor that confronted me and said, uh, 
uh, do you know Jesus? I said, yeah, I know Jesus. I've been to church every Sunday. He says, that's not what I meant. Do you know Jesus? Well, Pastor, I've been baptized. And he says, that's not what I asked. Have you read his book? <laughs> and I said, wait a minute. I just read man-sized books. I don't read big, thick books. <laughs> and he says, well, take man-sized pieces, uh, bites. And uh, so he said, start in Romans, go through Jude, go back to the Gospels, go through Acts, then go back to Genesis and go through Revelation. And I tell you, David, that was one of the, uh, along with the training and the exposure I got with Dr. Ken Canfield, being grounded in God's Word, every morning I got up an extra hour early and just hung out with God in Scripture, prayer, meditation. I walked and, you know, that type of thing. And it just started to immerse me in a biblical worldview, pulling me out of the secular worldview that I had been in. So. Mm. Over the years, uh, the Lord has granted us tremendous glimpses of God's glory in the churches we work with, because that's really what we do as a ministry, is try to raise the bar for fathering in the churches. There's not a whole lot of encouraging and equipping of dads in the church. In fact, if you go in on church on Father's Day, they're usually chewing the dads out, right? <laughs> they're not encouraging them. <laughs> but uh, so we've seen tremendous glimpses of God's glory on that journey. But, uh, but here, as, as you know, just a couple of years ago, uh, I learned, got a new dimension of what uh, fathering is all about. <clears throat> yeah, so we're going to get into that. So I, I know that you've done well. You know, you and I have known each other for, I don't know, maybe five years or so. And uh, we took our sons to Christ in the Tetons, which was a fantastic experience, a father-son adventure that Robert Lewis puts together that's out in uh, Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Uh, we led a class, uh, you know, the Better Man Curriculum, which he also founded. And we've supported one another over the last several years. I and mean, we were breaking bread one day over lunch and you told me about what you called your covid curveball you had had two covid curveballs so uh, bring the audience in on just what those were one, one at a time okay the uh first the first was as uh, march 12th of 2020 uh i remember that day well because my jayhawks were number one in the country and they canceled the march madness on the 12th of march uh but uh i received an email saying possible relation <clears throat> and uh you know, David, I I always I'm sensitive to junk emails. I usually just delete those. But for something, I was compelled to open this. And with my bride beside me, I opened it. And she, uh, uh, there's a young man out there that had been looking for his father for 23 years. Uh, he had uh, lined up uh, in a in a DNA uh, test. I think it was 23 and Me or uh, Ancestry. I don't know which one it was. I think it's 23 and Me. Uh, he had connected with a lot of names, uh, cousins on my mother's side of the family, and uh, and through that had had found the connection to my mother in Kansas City, where he had been born and and put up for adoption in Kansas City, Missouri. Actually adopted in Kansas City, Missouri. So there was a tie to my mother, and there was a tie to my hometown. Right. And then he proceeded to have a tie to my high school with his birth mother. And my bride knew that I wasn't a choir boy before we met, and I had been very clear with our kids, too. When we went through True Love Waits and, uh, uh, in the Methodist Church, I explained to them that one of my biggest regrets was not being pure for your mother when we were married. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's, uh, and I pray that, that they would have that, uh, that unique uh, relationship. Uh, but so I explained to her that, uh, you know, we, I mean, I explained to her, she, she saw what the deal was, and I said, you know, it is a possibility. I, I asked, I responded to the email, and I said, well, if, if you'll give me the name of your birth mother, I'll tell you whether we have more to talk about. And uh, he did, and we did. Wow. And, and I said— how, how, did you, how did you feel in that moment? Where, I, mean, I can't imagine, you know, you're just kind of cruising along in your life, and then you get this, oh, I, I think you might be my dad. <laughs> 
You know, I, you know, as as we've been in ministry long enough, you, I've just, I wonder what the Lord's up to here. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I mean, my 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 heart went out to the young man that you know, in fathering ministry, I know more than right, <laughs> right, yeah, how significant a father is, and I just told him, I know how I know how important a dad is. I said, uh, I'm happy to take a paternity test, and if it's negative, I want to be here for you. Although I'm sure at this age, you probably have a lot of father figures in your life. But if it's positive, again, we got a lot more to talk about. Sure. And so we initiated that process, and about a week later, I, he called and said, uh, "Well, Dad, it's ninety-nine point nine 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 percent likely you're my dad." Wow. He responded immediately. Says, "Listen, I don't want to spend her. I'm a grown man. <laughs> In fact, he says I'm a grown ass man. Uh, he says I, I I don't want to spend every Christmas with you, but I would love to get to know you." And uh, I said, "I think we're related just by the way you talk." Uh, but uh, so. I uh, got on a plane in May of 2020, uh, middle of COVID, flew into an yeah. empty LAX and uh, came down the escalator and met my son. Wow. And uh, he's 46. At that time, he was 46 years old. And uh, all, you know, if those familiar with the adoptive world know that genetic mirroring is something they don't have in their adoptive family. So we immediately saw that, the eyes and nose, you know, what have you. Right, right. And, uh, and then I just spent a weekend with he and his lovely bride of 20 years and his two uh, beautiful daughters. Sure. That I get to call granddaughters. <laughs> yeah, what a bonus. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. And uh, so they're just lovely. It's a lo- I just hung out with them. We had a lot of one-on-one time. Uh, we wrapped up the weekend. I just told him, as, as you know, through Christ and the Tetons, one thing I always do is I told him my tradition is to bless my, uh, my kids. And if it was okay with him, could I bless him uh, as my son? And he gave me the approval. And so I know that's a powerful moment from so exactly. Yeah. So in front of his bride and his daughters, I I said, "Do you are my son, whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased?" Which you know, there's more to it, as you know, sure. a blessing to draw the parallel to Jesus coming up out of the water with John the Baptist. But uh, it was a powerful moment. We hugged and and uh, cried a little bit, and uh, of course, I gave him a faithful fathering coin. And uh, uh, but we we just had a wonderful uh, wonderful weekend, it's like we'd always known each other. Wow, incredible! Now. What makes yours even more incredible is that, you know, I've heard people tell stories of, you know, learning unexpected things when they've done these uh, genetic tests, you know, on 23andMe or Ancestry, you know, and, and then, you know, those are those are family secrets a lot of times. A lot of times people went to great lengths to keep those secrets. <laughs> and uh, but then you you got a double dose, you know, so I, I, the first curveball, how did it lead to the second one? Well, in that's uh, you're you're right. These secrets, so to speak, there's a lot of generational secrets, and and in the adoptive world, that's where the wounds really are deep, right. because of such secrets. Um, uh, so uh, in the DNA, uh, when I decided when when he he shared with me, uh, Brian is my son. He shared the results of the DNA, and there was a not only was it unique that my mother's side of the family was showing up there, and but there was an urban name, and there's another name in there that I needed to research. He said, I don't know why this other name shows up there. And I said, well, I'll go ahead and take a DNA test just to validate the paternity and see what this is about. And uh, sure enough, I validated the paternity and, uh, and showed that I had a half-brother out there. Hmm. And uh, David, that half-brother, lives up in Cyprus. <laughs> And I, uh, I went up to meet him, and I walked into his office, and he put a big bear hug on me and said, Brother, we've been looking for you for 25 years. 
So he knew you existed? He knew we existed, and I said, I need to hear this story. And when his dad, my biological dad, as it turns out, Mm -hmm. uh, passed in March of 1994, actually two months ahead of my the dad that raised me passed, Mm -hmm. uh, his mother sat he and his siblings down and told them that uh, their dad had had an affair with my mother and that I had a half-brother out there called by the name of Wirtz. Wow. And that he had a half-brother out mm-hmm. there by the name of Wirtz. And, uh, and that, uh, that opened up a, a whole new door uh, for, uh, for understanding what was going on because both my mother and the dad that raised me knew that and took the secret to the grave. And so this all happened in like – in a, like a five month period of time, actually about, yeah, a, or, about a month and a half. Month period. and a half. I, yeah, I remember when we had that. I got my two COVID curveballs, and boy, those are big curveballs. Uh, that could really stir some things up. It does, and uh, it was interesting because again, uh, I have a fabulous relationship. Uh, you know, not only my son and I, they, when they see us, or you know, my the beautiful thing is my both of Linda's and my kid. We have grown kids, and my daughter and, and son both got married in twenty twenty one. And they both invited Brian, their their half brother, to and his bride to their weddings. So they got a double dose of all the genetic mirroring and what have you. And they said just the way he crossed his arms, the way he holds his head, the way he talks. You know, there's there's just those things were just real. The same thing happened when I went out to dinner with my brother and his bride. His bride just kept looking at me. <laughs> said, "You are George," and I felt like, "Who's George?" <laughs> George was my dad, my biological dad, yeah. uh, whom I never met. So. Uh, so what I've learned through all of this, uh, David, is that the Lord had me in ministry, have had, has had me in ministry for 20-plus years to dads to minister to me to prepare me for what he was up to. Because the amazing thing through all this is that the Lord gave Linda and I, my bride and I, complete peace throughout the journey. There's no... Uh, no. That's end. kind of exceptional. Those can be some things that can, uh, you know, maybe people don't want. Well, know, uh, I, I guess I, you know, I've been, I never have been a, a, a I've been an open book throughout my right, life. So right. I've never tried to put on a front or anything. So they knew who I, they knew I, <laughs> well, the know, Lord had prepared you, right? Uh, like well, you said. You know. That's right. And it's, it's, uh, we serve, so I, I guess where I'm going with that is that the, the Heavenly Father said, listen, I'm your dad. I'm your dad. Uh, the Kendrick Brothers put out a wonderful film called uh, 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 the, the Dad Gummit. I've gone blank on the name. It is it was fireproof. A, no, no, it's a it was a, a father's uh, know your father. Dad Gummit. I've just gone blank on the name of the film. Okay. Anyway, it's Kendrick's Brothers. It's it, a documentary on fathering. Yeah. <laughs> you go to Kendrick Brothers, and uh, it's a documentary on fathering, and they do a wonderful job pointing to the fact that we, he is the perfect father, and he uh, he gave me that comfort, and and he says all this stuff going on in the world is just shaping you for what I'm doing through you. And I think that's the encouragement to every dad, every man out there, whether you had a great dad or you never knew your dad or somewhere on the spectrum in between, the Heavenly Father is there to shape you and fill those voids to make you the man he's calling you to be. Amen. Amen to that. So, so you know, where are you today with these new family members in your life? You know. Well, uh, Brian does a lot. My son in California does a lot. Of, he is a, a performer. He, this is a fascinating thing. He and my daughter are both performers. Uh, my daughter is a gifted vocalist and chased Broadway for 11 years. Brian, her half-brother, uh, is a theater uh, major and a produ- theater production. So he's done a lot of uh, – uh, he's a performer. 
And uh, so he, he actually performs uh, a couple of plays he put together telling his story uh, at different adoption conferences. Yeah, like and, that blank. I, uh, right, yeah, the yeah. blank is a one-man play, and then At Ghost Kingdom is his screen. He actually filmed a movie because the uh, COVID pro- prohibited him doing a play oh, during yeah, COVID yeah. time. But uh, they both bring out uh, the the whole issue uh, the first one is search for his birth mother the second one is search for his father where he thought he had found his father that he must have died because uh the the situation you know just to back up there a little bit i, I want to explain that in high school uh this young lady and i were this is uh there's a one my the girl i was dating had gone to prom with another person so i was upset and this young lady had wanted to double date with a buddy and i and so we went out and the night just went further than either of us anticipated just kids without boundaries which is part of the issue that we have as dads is to make sure that we provide those boundaries for our kids Mm -hmm. but we were without boundaries and i went further than either of us thought it would go and 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 here's the result is a, a lot of messed up lives <laughs> or, you know, a, a, a lot of wounded lives. I can, I won't say messed up because the Lord's always using everything, but there's redeemed, a lot of, redeemed, redeemed now, there but... you go. Uh, but the, so there, there are situations there that, uh, you know, are the lessons that we learn as men is we've got to create boundaries for relationships, uh, not only for ourselves, but you know, particularly today with social media and pornography and what have you, those boundaries, we have to set them solid, but also for our kids so that they aren't exposed to, uh, to make life-altering mistakes. Well, so if I'm interested in learning more about your organization, Faithful Fathering, where do I go to, to learn more about it? It's faithfulfathering.org. Uh, that's, uh, that's all spelled out. And uh, on there, you got a Four Dads page and a Four Churches page. You know, our ministry is primarily coming beside the church to encourage them and actually arm them with a strategy and materials to raise the bar for fathering in the church. But then we also, uh, through our website, have access to our podcasts or YouTube channels and everything that provide a, a plethora of uh, short video tips and uh, and training. All of our training is available on our website, video uh, recorded, and uh, and they can download the PDF. Everything is, you know, we charge for nothing in ministry. We live off of donations from folks that have been touched by the ministry. Right. Well, it, it's called Faithful Fathering, and the title of this show, if you're listening to Wrestling with the Inner Man, is, you know, In Search of a Father, and that's the name of this three-part podcast series that I really want to uh, endorse again, because his son, Brian, is, is uh, he, he's a good storyteller because he's a stage actor, and the way he relates this in this three-part series he did on his search is, is just a fantastic story. So anybody that's adopted or knows somebody that's adopted who's has that kind of gnawing question, you know, about why, you know, their birth parents didn't want them. I think it's a fantastic story. So I really want to highly endorse that. So, Rick, final words. Uh, what advice do you have for the Wrestling with the Interman audience? Well, I just uh, get to know your Heavenly Father. That's uh, read his book. And uh, particularly, I always say start with Romans and read through Jude and just spend that time. It, don't, it, it is not a speed read. Just get to know the Heavenly Father, and he'll get you in, in sync with uh, your earthly father or father figures that have reached out to be an influence in your life. Yeah. Well, look, there's two people here at the studio and in the radio station Salem who are good friends that might have been part of this ministry, and it's uh, Brian Rungi, and he lost his father, Leo E. Rungi, on January 26th in Ames, Iowa, and Rick Hiller, my producer, who lost his father, Richard A. Hiller, on January 31st uh, in Reading, Pennsylvania. And so I just want to do a shout-out to those two guys because those dads 
they're no longer with us today, you know, but they did a great job of raising those two men who are, have been great part of this ministry. And uh, I know they're missing them, but we all always have, you know, that heavenly father. And that's where we have to turn first because sometimes your dad dies at a very early age. So let's just close out in a little prayer here. Dear heavenly father, I just thank you for Rick Wirtz and for this testimony and this faithful fathering ministry and how he's received uh, his COVID curveballs and, you know, that's all worked out so well for his family. And just uh, be with everyone who's out there kind of wondering about their worthiness of being loved. They they don't know the circumstances, and uh, you love all of us, and let's just all turn to you first. And, Lord, we really need every father to step up today, especially in this peculiar time that we live in, in this nation, in this world. And we just ask you to be with all of them so that it can be the fathers that you intended us to be with you as their model. In Christ's name, amen. Keep giving them heaven. AM 1070, The Answer, Wrestling with the Inner Man. Thanks for listening to Wrestling with the Inner Man with David Savage. For more information, reach out to David at wrestlingwiththeinnerman at gmail.com. That's wrestlingwiththeinnerman at gmail.com. Tune in next time as Wrestling with the Inner Man tackles more tough topics to train up a generation of better men.